A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 108 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. It is finally opening day. Well, not right now. We're recording Wednesday night, but when you're listening to this, it'll be opening day. So happy opening day to everybody out there. We finally made it. We got through the lockout. We did it together. We got Major League regular season baseball back with us for the next six months and then another month of postseason. It's a glorious time. It's always my favorite day of the year, opening day. And this is going to be a fun episode. And with me to celebrate, to talk baseball, the most 80-grade co-host in the history of co-hosts, Mr. Chris Clegg. What's going on, bud? Oh, not too much. This offseason feels like it was the longest one ever. So it's really good that we have baseball back. Obviously, spring training is great, but here we are, and it's time for regular season baseball. Fantasy baseball is back, and uh, we're here to break it all down because I think we have had a awesome, awesome spring with all the prospects coming up. Like, so exciting! I think it's got to be a record for most prospects starting with their team on opening day. It's it's great to see. It really is. Finally, well, except for Pittsburgh, they're like, nah, no, Neil Cruz, <laughs> Renzi Contreras, you can just. You can just chill in AAA for a little bit till we need you. And then San Diego's like, you know what? Let's throw uh, Abrams and Wright. Or maybe that's not been confirmed as of now at 9, 15 p.m. on Wednesday. Hasn't been confirmed yet. But, yeah, let's just throw Abrams and Wright field, see what happens. You know, it's, it's kind of funny the different philosophies on teams. But, yeah, so Abrams could be added to this list. It's already a very impressive list of intriguing prospects that will be debuting on opening day. We will talk about that later on in the show with some other news and notes to start the show. But before we do, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Cross 4 and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us. And of course, all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ network. We had our great draft kit. And now we are into the regular season content. We have 
anywhere from 18 to 22, 23 articles a week, some biweekly. So that's why the fluctuation, but you'll get everything you could need this season. Uh, we got updated rankings every week, streamers, strategy, prospect and dynasty work, two start pitchers, waiver wire, the whole nine stat cast stuff. Chris will be doing everything you could want. So check out fantraxhq.com for all your regular season fantasy baseball needs. But let's get right into it, Chris. We got a lot to talk about. Let's start with some spring training, you know, news and notes here over the last week. We'll start with a guy that's been talked about a lot on Twitter. Always a great talking point on social media, just in general. Byron Buxton, he had a great spring this year. He was one of the one of the top overall hitters this spring. Uh, he had five home runs this spring with 13 RBI and five doubles, 10 extra base hits in 12 games. Out of the stolen base, hit 469 with a 514 OBP and a 1094 slug. And of course, you get all the uh, Buxton supporters out there, and there's a lot of them saying, Oh, this is finally the year, even though I feel like we say that every single year. But it's bound to be the year at some point, right? Like with the laws of physics or nature or whatever, it's, it's got to happen at some point, right? Yeah, it should. I mean, he has not got hurt yet. I would love to see it too. Like I would love to see a fully healthy year of bucks to see what he can do. Right. I mean, he smashed in the wall. Everybody was worried about it on that catch. I think it was the first day of spring training and he was okay. So (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's it. I'd be very happy because I want to see it. I think there's first round upside pretty easily here in this profile. Oh, for sure. Like you look at his, his power speed pace. He has 70 home runs and 71 steals in his career. In 1,758 plate appearances, I mean, even if you break that down into like 650 plate appearance pace, they do some quick math here. So that's around, yeah, 26, 27 home runs and steals. And we know he has the upside for more than that on both. Now, last year, cranked the ball 17.9% barrel rate, 53.8 hard contact rate, 92.5 average exit velo. 300 XBA, 611 X slug, like all the metrics were just off the charge. In addition to a 99th percentile sprint speed, like he is one of those few that could go, you know, 40 40. Like, is it going to happen? Probably not. But there's like maybe four or five guys in baseball that have that upside. You know, obviously Tatis, Acuna, I throw Luis Robert, or maybe, maybe say 40 30, throw Robert in there, Buxton. Those are the first four that come to mind. Uh, maybe we can end up throwing. I don't know if Wit has that upside, maybe, but it's a very select view when Buxton has that. So I don't know. I'm still weary of him, though. Like his ADP was what, around like 50 or so, and even went higher than like in the main events. It was like the mid 30s over the last couple few weeks and all the NFC main events. But obviously, the talent is definitely there. Like, I don't think anybody can deny that. Like, any baseball fan that knows a shred about baseball cannot deny the talents there. But can he just play a full? Even like 140, like what would you say, Chris, percent chance he plays 140 games this year? Uh, very, very slim. Yeah, Bla- I mean, so <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if he's played 140. So in the last two years, he's played 100 combined, obviously the shortened 2020 season. And then he played 87 in 2019, 28 and 2018. He did play 140 in 2017. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I think we're dreaming a little bit. I would take 125. I think you're gonna get a. You're, he's gonna return value if he plays 125 games. 
You saw, I mean, last year he played 61 games, hit 19 home runs, stole nine bases, and had a 306 average. Like, if he just played, if he doubled that, you know, 40, 20, like, that's pretty crazy. It's definitely possible. I'm still a little bit worried about the the approach as well. You look at the last two years combined, and while in 100 games, 389 play appearance, he, he does have 32 home runs, 26 doubles. Uh, was that uh, 11 steals, only been caught twice, but has 15 walks to 98 strikeouts. So that's still, even if you go back, it's always been kind of that way. 19 walks to 68 Ks in 2019, 3 to 28 in 2018, 38 to 150 in 2017, et cetera, et cetera. So that still does concern me a bit. It's still it's a very aggressive approach, but 32 home runs in his last 389 play appearances, you can't ignore that. And we'll see. And he only has 11 steals, but even even 120 games, he can go 30 15 uh, very easily. We'll see. I don't know what the average will be, though. Like, yeah, it was 306 last year, and a lot of metrics back it up, but he's 248 for his career. We've seen that hover around 250 to 260 the last most of his career before that. So maybe I don't think 300s, you know, he's probably more of 260, 270. But yeah, if we can get 120, 130 games out of him, that would be phenomenal. So let's, let's keep our fingers crossed because, yeah, I, well, I don't have any shares of him. Like, I would love to have had Bucks on at least one team, and maybe I'll have some some FOMO here. I, I do have a little bit of FOMO right now, a little bit of FOMO with Byron Buxton because obviously the upside is astronomical, but where he was going in drafts. So what was it? That'd be 15 teamers. That's like your fifth player, fourth, fifth player on your team. I just couldn't do with it that with the risk. And at that point, I'm looking to – you know, maybe get my second arm or get dip into the relief pitcher well and get like a, you know, Glacius or Edwin Diaz, something like that. Or just get a more, you know, maybe a bat that's not quite as talented, but is more reliable. I just hate that much risk with one of my top like four or five picks. Even higher than that, like main events, he's going third round. So your top yeah. three pick, that much risk. Yeah, it could work out, but man, I don't know. It's like the Pretty same sure he, issue he with Mondes every round? year. Yeah, he went first round in a main event, which is Did crazy. he really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, if you want to get bold, have some fun with it, sure. But man, that's yeah. Ooh, I, I can't do it. I can't very, do very it. Bold. I love Buxton and all, but this is so much, you know, obviously he has one of the widest range of outcomes. He can go 40 30, or he could just be another injury plague season where he's striking out a ton. So yeah. I don't know. I, I just can't do it at the price. If he was going like closer to pick 100, okay. I can get on board with that. If he's going yeah. like, Closer to Bobby Witt Jr. territory at ADP. Okay. But I just couldn't bring myself to do it. But we'll see. We'll see if he has a, a great season here. I can see it. He'll he'll go like 36 home runs, 20 steals, and 130 games. Go first round next year and then play 20 games next year. <laughs> just how it rolls. I can just totally see that happening. But all right. Moving. You know, staying in the division, though, the Detroit Tigers continue to get better. Traded for Austin Meadows from Tampa Bay. They give up Isak Paredes and I think a lower level prospect as well. But the big thing, I don't think this, you know, Meadows, I don't think it really changes his value too, too much here. But the biggest kind of beneficiary of this deal is probably Josh Lowe, who, you know, they haven't said, you know, flat out he's going to start, but they're bringing him back up. I'm assuming it's the start uh, in the outfield and, I've said it before, like Josh Lowe is a guy, if he's starting this year, he's a guy I want to have in all like 12 team or deeper leagues. Like if you're leagues rostering 250 plus players total at any one time, 
I think he's definitely a guy that needs to be rostered if he's starting. And we'll see. It looks like he's probably going to, but this is a guy, obviously, the speed's always been there. Very efficient base dealer as well, to, to note, which he sold 26 bags last year. Wasn't caught once. And that's, he's been a high, high-efficiency base dealer throughout his minor league career. Only been caught 25 times in 123 attempts. The power finally came along 2019 and 2021. It's combined for 40 home runs in 232 games with a you know ISO above 200 in each of those seasons. Uh, excuse me, it was only 190 in 2019, but he could go 15-20 this year with a you know. 250, 260 average, OBP maybe in the 330, 340 range. He's always been a little bit higher of an OBP guy than an average asset. But yeah, full season, 15, 20. I'm all on board with Josh Lowe. Yeah, I definitely see it. If he gets, they've got to give him the chance to play every day. That's really the biggest thing. He needs to play every day to get his reps. And if he does, he'll be fine. I think, I think that's the biggest thing we see with prospects is when they get jerked around, they're up, they're not playing every day. The inconsistent playing time hurts them, but I do think that he's one that would benefit from that everyday playing time. I mean, really, like, who else are you going to play now? Like, I don't, I don't really see anybody. Like, Kevin Kiermaier is probably going to man center field, yep. but I don't know. I mean, who else is in their outfield? Harold Ramirez is he going to take his take time from him? Doubt I mean, it. Yeah, I, I. It seems like Josh Lowe is going to play most every day, so. He deserves a roster spot in 12-team leagues, in my opinion. Yeah, like you look at roster resource that has has him in a platoon with, I'm assuming, Harold Ramirez. I, I don't see that at all. They also have G-Man Choi and Taylor Walls in some sort of weird platoon. <laughs> Maybe the weirdest looking platoon I've ever seen. But, yeah, it's, I don't see Harold Ramirez. They also have Brett Phillips, but Phillips, I think, is more there for emotional and like you know he's a he's a cheerleader. He's like obviously he's not a great player, but every every team loves to have a Brett Phillips. I love Brett Phillips. He looks yeah. like a, he looks like a cool dude, but he's not taking time from Josh Lowe. Harold Ramirez is not taking time from Josh Lowe. You know Ramirez had a decent little season last year, but he's you know he's shown he's just a backup outfielder type. Lowe, you know Vidal Brujan, even these are the guys that are going to be the potential impact players for Tampa moving forward. So you can definitely see it. A lot of projections have him right around 15-15, you know, 240-ish average. I think he can do a little bit better than that. But obviously, he's a prospect. We don't know. But definitely that power speed is there. So definitely 12-team mixed leagues or deeper. Josh Lowe is a great target. Do you think this changes Meadows' value at all, Chris? Or is that kind of a lateral move for him, do you think? I do think he sees more playing time. I just don't – I mean, especially with Riley Green out, there's – I don't know. I – a lot of hitters complain about the the hitter, hitter's eye in Trop, and Meadows' splits don't stand out like Adamus, obviously, but could this be a benefit to him? I definitely think so. In a fresh start, I mean, you look back and how good of the season he had, what, 2019, where he just dominated, and maybe he just needed a fresh start to get some confidence. I mean, now in the same org as his brother, could be a good thing for him. So I think it may increase it a little bit, but... I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, we'll see on that. Definitely getting out of Tampa Bay is always usually a good thing. We saw that with the Dominus, even though, like you mentioned, this wasn't quite as drastic with the splits for, for Meadows. But, yeah, that Riley Green injury really stuck, too. Like, we're, we're going to see him opening day from the sounds of it with Torkelson, which we'll get into it yeah. a little later. But now he's going to be out for a couple months now. That really 
really sucks, but hopefully he's up, you know, get some triple A time back in to get shaken the rest off. And hopefully we see him sometime mid season to add to torque in this exciting on the rise Detroit lineup moving out West here. We had a trade a few days back with the Padres acquiring Sean Manaya from Oakland for peanuts, pretty much, which has pretty much been Oakland's off season summed up, summed up in basically right there. Then they put Mike Clevenger on the IL, so Manaya is taking his spot for now. What are your thoughts on Manaya this year, Chris? I see everyone's kind of going bonkers on him, taking him fairly high, like top 130 or so overall. I'm not sure where that was in terms of pitchers, but I I don't see. Like, I, I wrote an article oh, two months ago at this point about starting pitchers to avoid in the top 200 picks or so, and Manaya was easily one of my first pitchers I put in there I mean he's okay I mean I'm not saying he's bad and gonna fall off a cliff or anything but last year was a lot of the similar stuff from him I don't see him sustaining the five-ish percent or 5.4 percent jump in the K rate I don't know you see a lot of the, the metrics didn't really get better than justify yeah the whiff rate went up that's great and all chase rate was almost exactly the same I just didn't really see like why he's going so much higher than in years past. He's, he's decent, but I just don't see him. Like I'd rather have him as like my SP five or six, not my SP three or four. But where where are you at on Shomanaya this year? Uh, I haven't got him anywhere. Nor do I plan to. I don't know. His velo was down this spring as well, which I think is mm. pretty interesting. He's not a big velo guy anyway. But if if the velo is not there, I mean, it, I remember one start. I'm trying to find it, but one start he was sitting like 89 with the fastball, and that's just not going to cut it at all. So I don't know. I mean, he could be fine, but again, like everybody goes bonkers about this rotation, but it's not good. There, I mean, really, like it's Joe Musgrove. I, yeah, there's talent, but it's just a yeah. lot of question marks. Like you, Darvis, can he stay healthy? He's been inconsistent. You know, Blake Snell, same thing, very inconsistent. Can he throw but... more than five innings, yeah. Exactly, and then the, they're going to throw Nick Martinez in there as well. And we Yeah, it's, it's a lot of question marks him. still in that rotation. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just not in on Manaya. I, I don't see – and it, I just don't really see him sustaining what he did last year. Yeah, the K rate was up a little bit, but still not a like a high-end K rate at all. It, I mean, it did come with a increase in swinging strike rate, but ah, I don't know. I just fear, fear there's regression coming, and Oakland's park was is tailor made for pitchers, so I don't really want any part of this. I I don't either. I said I have. I think you and I kind of share our our love for Joe Musgrove. He's a guy I have several shares of this year, both in redraft and dynasty. But the rest of this rotation has basically been a giant, even the bull, uh, in the bullpen especially because it's like a twenty person committee at this point of people that I don't care to, to roster in dynasty leagues. So this entire pitching staff really outside of Joe Musgrove has been a giant avoid for me. I don't have any shares of Manaya. I don't think I do of Darvish or Snell. I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Obviously I'm done with my drafts at this point. It's today's opening day, but I wouldn't be opposed to getting a Darvish or Snell, but their price tag was just a bit higher than I wanted. And that bullpen is just a giant, mess of Lamette and Suarez and Pierce Johnson and Emilio Pagan. It's just a bunch of guys out there that are all in a it's massive committee, like I mentioned. So yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I've always been out of Manai. I've never been a Manai guy. Don't get the love this year. Uh, definitely going way too high. 
what, what was his velocity? Do you know what his average velocity was this spring, Chris? Who, Manaya? Yeah. Uh, no, not consistently. Um, it's, but probably I back, do... it's probably back down to the reg. He was 89.8 on the sinker in 2019, 90.4 in 2020. Then he jumped to 92.1 last year. So he's probably back down that previous range, if I had to guess. Yeah, let's see if I can find it somewhere. I do remember one start monitoring and seeing that he was at like 89, but and that probably wasn't consistent. I don't really know. I don't know if anybody tracked that or not, but maybe not. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't see that K rate. Like I said, even, even a good K rate for him is still like that was barely above league average last year, and he's been well below league average. He's more been like a 20% guy for most of his career, except for that one uh, shortened season for him in 2019. He jumped to 27.5, but that was a very abbreviated. He only, he only threw 444 pitches total that year. I think it was just a few starts. So, uh, yeah, I am 100% out on Shamanaya. And, and I think this move actually might hurt him a little bit. Yeah, the team's better around him. So, in theory, a chance for a little more wins, I guess. But, you know, going leaving that spacious Oakland ballpark is always a da- downgrade, at least slightly. And I don't yep. think the, the upgrade in team can make up for that. So, no Manaya for either of these two people, that's for sure. Let's stick on the pitching train here. What are we doing with Jacob DeGrom and Chris Sale in Dynasty Leagues? Obviously, when they're on, like, Jacob DeGrom is, is the best pitcher in, in baseball, even above Corbin Burns. But he's hurt again. He's got the show, the, uh, what was the exact terminology? Oh, it, it was some long, drawn out thing. His shoulder is something in the shoulder. So he's out for probably till midseason sometime. Who knows? Maybe we see another 80 to 90 innings of him. Maybe that's generous. Maybe he's 60 innings this year. But again, another you know shortened season for Jacob DeGrom. And Chris Sale is going to be out till at least probably early June or so. He's was put on the 60-day IL the other day by the Boston Red Sox. And I was you know, listening to, uh, you know, obviously I live in Maine here, so I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. We talk Boston Red Sox a lot on local sports talk. And they were just kind of eating him alive today. Because he had some comments, you know, about how he's, oh, it's hard for me to stay healthy. And I know I wish I could stay out there more. Like, yeah, obviously, Chris Sale. Like, I looked it up. He's made roughly 65% of his starts since we acquired him from the White Sox back before the 2017 season. So... Obviously, the talent is there, but he hasn't even been the same guy ever since he had to undergo Tommy John. He has not been the same guy. He's been good. He's not been, you know, Chris Sale, you know, from 2016, 2017, or even before that. So that plus the injuries, the age is getting up there. You know, I I don't know. I I don't know if I want either of these two in Dynasty anymore. I took Sale in the Highlander because he fell outside pick 100, but I'm starting to regret that now. But I don't know, Chris. How are you feeling about these two in Dynasty right now? Well, DeGrom... I think the answer is if you if you roster him in Dynasty League, you wait till he's back, you let him throw one or two dominant stars and you trade him mm-hmm. personally. And it's yep. not to say that he's not a good pitcher and you shouldn't roster him. It's the fact that he just doesn't pitch. He's the best pitcher in baseball when he pitches, but he's not pitching. So it's pretty easy for me. And I have him in a couple of Dynasty Leagues. So this is what I'll be trying to do. So I hope my league mates aren't listening if you're if you're in that league with me and you know what I'm going to do with DeGrom. <laughs> but with sale, it's tough because sales track record is just not as good recently. We don't have that 
tracker where he's the best pitcher in baseball Brom has when he's on the mound. I mean, Sales just not been on the mound for one. And since 2019, he's only thrown 42 innings that we saw last year. So he's going to be a little harder to trade, I think. But I'm not really actively looking to trade for him either. There are so many concerns. DeGrom's an easy wait, let him pitch and trade him. Sale might be one where somebody, you you just can't see what you can get for him now. And I'm not a huge advocate of that normally, but gosh, it's just so hard with him. Like his value may only continue to go down, which would be even worse. So there may be somebody in your league that likes Sale a lot that you could go out and get something for right now, at least try. You know, I trade him for, I think I trade him right now for a top 150 dynasty asset. That's fair. That's fair. You know, let, let's let's play a little uh, who would you rather have here. I, I like this game. This is a fun little game. <laughs> I'm just going to pull up my dynasty rankings right now. You said the top 150 range, so I'm yeah. going to go top in that general vicinity in mine. You, you want to stick with just pitchers, Chris, or just anybody? Uh, it doesn't matter. All right. Let's say let's say someone came up and offered you Yohan Moncada. Let's let's keep it back from the Red Sox White Sox <laughs> trade here. Who would you rather have? Yeah, it's like a trade of two like down players. I just rather take Moncada because at least he's on the field. You know, he he says he's going to run more this year. Maybe this year he finally puts it together. I'll take Moncada. I think I that's so tough. Very close. I want to say Sale because obviously his upside's higher, but. Yeah, Mankata's on the field. He's a couple years younger, I believe. Yeah, like three or, three or so years younger. How about... Oh, here's, one, here's a fun one. Luis Garcia, pitcher from Houston. Who would you rather have? Give me Garcia. <laughs> All right. Uh, newest uh, import, Saya Suzuki. Suzuki. <laughs> all right, let me go. These all guys right in my 150 or so yeah. range. Let's go... Um, how about uh, Tanner Houck? Oh, that's tough. I'm not a big Hulk guy, so. You still sail then? I think I'd rather sit on sale. All right. Last one. Let's go a pitching prospect who's the closest. George Kirby. Ooh, that's tough. This uh, is why I love this game. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I like it, making you sweat it out. <laughs> it really makes you think. I, yeah, it does, really. Gosh, I don't know. I, I want to say Kirby, but it is really close. Yeah, so yeah, those are all guys like give or take ten spots from one fifty in my dynasty rank. Like Kirby, I have one forty five right now. Suzuki was one fifty two. Garcia was one fifty one. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun little game, but yeah, it's definitely hard. But right now, I guess you got if you if you have these guys, you got to hold the like Chris said, let them build their value back up, you know, but trade them quickly because it's probably gonna go back down again at this point. It's, they're they're not getting any younger, uh, Degrom and Sales, so. Definitely tough to roster right now in Dynasty Leagues. Now, let's round out this section of the show. Talk the Craig Kimbrell, AJ Pollock trade. I thought it would happen sooner. Like, I thought Kimbrell, after the LaRusa comments a few weeks ago, I thought he was going to be on the opening roster. It sounded like he was. Like Maybe they trade him during the season, but kind of a surprise trade a few days back. Sent him out to the Dodgers, got AJ Pollock in a deal that kind of made sense for both teams. I don't think the Dodgers were fully committed to going with, with Blake Trinan in that ninth inning. They kind of were saying, oh, we'll mix in with him, with some Daniel Hudson, with some Bruce DeGratterall. And obviously they, the White Sox needed another bat with Andrew Vaughn hurt. So makes sense for both sides, honestly. But some, some fancy ramifications here. You know, I don't think it's a big you know change for A.J. Pollock. It's pretty 
you know, a pretty minimal value change for him. Obviously, Kimbrell goes way up, and I'm glad I have a few shares of him from earlier on and some DCs and best balls, but I had so many Blake Trinan shares that I'm a little bummed out about this <laughs> right now. Uh, and then, obviously, with Pollock gone, what the, the extra at-bats, where do those go? Some people are speculating Gavin Lux, which is kind of where I lean. Others are saying, oh, maybe it's Edwin Rio. So definitely a question there of who gets those at-bats out there in left or if they switch it up and move. You know, like Ross Russo has Taylor now going from second to left with Gavin Lux in a platoon with Hans and Alberto, which I don't believe. <laughs> but, you know, so it's probably Lux or Rios. But so first of all, let's start there. Who do you think is the beneficiary from the added at-bats out there? Do you, you think it's Lux or do you think it's Edwin Rios? I don't trust the Dodgers with either of them, honestly. <laughs> That's a great answer, yeah. Yeah, they're rolling a three-man pinch right now, which is interesting. That I'm assuming we'll see – I don't know who who would get the call. Like, I don't know who they would – I don't know. I'm confused as to where they'll go. because like, I don't think they're going to roll a three-man bench for the long run. So, you know, maybe Zach McKinstry comes up maybe. against the reps. Yeah, McKinstry, he, he can play all around the, the field yep. a bit. I mean, Michael Bush would be – a Bush, natural. Yeah. Maybe yep. maybe they just go bold and like screw it. Let's bring up Miguel Vargas. I, I mean, love that. that I think would Vargas be could hit right now. Yeah, you think he's gonna hit or he's ready? I, I'd love that, but I I don't know if they do that. I don't I don't trust the Dodgers to do that. But you know they'll pop a trade off like tomorrow morning. Duffs might <laughs> do on the roster. It'd just be what happens. So yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, so I would say in the immediate, Luck should get the majority of bats and hopefully. He's good enough to keep the spot. That's that's my hope, at least. But <laughs> but we'll see. How many times have we? I think this is probably like the seventh, eighth, ninth time we've said that at some point. Yeah. Like something happens, whether it's a trade, someone gets hurt, whatever it is, something happens that opens up theoretical playing time for Gavin Lux. Like, oh yeah, he should get that time and he should <laughs> do well. And then it's like it never happened. One either doesn't get the time or he does, and he's kind of lackluster and gets sent down the AAA or the bench. I don't know. Like I said before, like I, I just wonder if the Dodgers don't think as highly of him as we all do. Yeah, which it's is possible. Ver- yeah, very possible. It's we gotta get a, the writing might be on the wall there. I'm not saying they think he's not good, but I don't know. We we can, we a lot of us in the fantasy industry kind of like all right, waiting for Lux to break out and have that Kyle Tucker breakout performance, and I don't think it's coming. Maybe he could still be a serviceable guy, but he's a guy that every time I update my rankings for for Dynasty. Just move him keeps he keeps just jumping down a little bit more 15 20 spots down every time because i think it's you know I, I just don't see it anymore i think he still could be decent maybe a you know middle infield type for fantasy but i don't think he's ever gonna be like a top 10 second baseman or anything like that anymore so i'm kind of not out on lux but i'm starting to open that door let's say but, that's fair in a sad reality though yeah it sucks but that's the dodgers for you but, but when you have a, a lineup as good as them, you can afford to do whatever you want and experiment. That's what winning does for you and what's what a large payroll does for you as well. That's true. All right, let's take a quick break here. We'll come back on the other side and talk a lot of prospects that made their teams open their rosters and what it could mean both short-term and long-term for Dynasty. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, MEAC fans! 
It's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. As we mentioned earlier, so many talented prospects. Like this is probably one of the biggest, maybe the biggest wave I've seen uh, since I've been, you know, watching baseball over the last, you know, 25 years or so of my life. Obviously, I can't remember when I was younger, but this is just so many great prospects. Like we have, I think, you know, what, three or four top 10 guys would have had another one if Riley Green wasn't hurt. So let's start with those big guns, obviously. With Bobby Witt Jr., Julio Rodriguez, and Spencer Torkelson, all of them up on opening day. We, we, we knew Witt was like the writing was kind of on the wall with Witt, but they made it official a handful of days ago. Same thing with Spencer Torkelson. And I don't know if it was surprising with given how great J Rod was this spring, but he also gets this, he'll be the starting center fielder for them on opening day up there in Seattle. So three potential AL rookie of the probably the three front runners for AL rookie of the year right now, especially with, with Adley Bushman and uh, Shane Boz both hurt to start the year. Uh, so at this point, would you have, let's start with, let's start with J-Rod actually. You know, we saw his ADP just skyrocket over the last week or so after the, the news broke that he was going to be opening day guy in center field. What are you thinking he, we could see from J-Rod this year, Chris, do you think he could be a, let's say a top 100 player? Yeah, I think so. I think I think I'd be willing to draft him inside the top 100 because I do think that he's just going to be that good and the reality is that he's a super high floor, he hits the ball extremely hard. He's a weird example of a player that has gotten faster as he's gotten bigger, but I think he's going to steal. He's going to steal plenty of bases and the power's undeniable and the contact skills are good enough where I think that it leaves him with a pretty high floor, so yeah, I'm willing to go top 100 on him. I think that, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he went 2015, maybe even 2515. I, I don't think that's out of the cards completely. I don't either, to be honest with you. I, I think I, I put him down for like, I think I said 24 and 13 or 14, something like that, which I think is very possible. It's, that'd be a great season. Plus, with like, I think he's still going to hit, hit 270 at least. Long term, he's definitely like a 300 guy, but. Look at what he did to the spring training in 30, uh, should be 14 games. He had four doubles, three home runs, three steals, was caught once, five walks to nine strikeouts, scored 10 runs, hit 412, 487, 794 for a nice little 1281 OPS. One of the top, one of the top players in spring training in general. So yeah, he's definitely ready. I wasn't sure they're going to do it, like, especially after what we saw from Kelnick last year. I was, I wondered if they were going to be like, all right, let's just give him some time in AAA. Maybe, maybe just even a month and bring him up in May or, or June or something like that. But Hey, all the power to them for, you know, putting the best team on the field. And obviously that means Julio Rodriguez. So yeah, I, I could definitely see a top. I could see him pushing top 50 this year. Everything breaks, right? If he goes 270, like 25, 15, that's probably pushing top 50 right there. We'll oh, see yeah. what the, you know, the RBI and run score look like he's probably gonna hit a little bit lower at least to start. Maybe I think you have him like sixth or seventh in the lineup. 
he'll probably move up eventually. But that's a really solid lineup, kind of one through nine for Seattle now. So I can see him, you know, around 80 RBI, 75 runs scored, something like that. So I could, in long term, obviously, we're looking at like Miguel Cabrera plus speed. Like that's what we could be looking at, which is, it's crazy to think about because Cabrera is one of the best pure hitters of my lifetime. And to think that we could have someone just as good, but with speed, like it's just crazy to think what peak Rodriguez looks like. It's, it could be stupid, silly good for fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he could be in that discussion of the top five, like in the first tier we're talking about, like with the Sotos and the Cunhas and the Tatis, you know, and the Vlads, like, he, he could be in that discussion over the next year, in my opinion. 100%. And I think Bobby Witt Jr. could be as well. I know we've differed a little bit. You have J-Rod one. I have Witt one. There's no wrong answer here, to be honest with you. It's like 1A, 1B, if we're being honest. But I think Witt could be close in power. Like, I don't think there's a huge like home runs. I don't think it's going to be a huge gap. Like I think J-Rod probably maybe averages four or five more a year. But I think Witt is low to mid-30s. J-Rod probably mid to upper 30s. I think average will probably be J-Rod by, I don't know, 20 points or so. I think he's 295, 300. Witt's probably around 280. But I do think Witt will probably give you an extra 10 steals or so. So overall, it's like, what profile do you want? You know, Or do you want the, short, the shortstop slash third baseman, which is where Witt will be playing at least initially until Mondesi inevitably goes on the IL in like May or something like that. Or do you want the outfielder with a little bit more power, a little bit higher average, higher floor? This is it's personal preference, really. There's no wrong answer here. But yet, this could be two players that we're both looking at as top 10 fantasy picks in the short term. Like, maybe not next year, but by 2020, what would that be? 2024 drafts, we could be seeing both those guys top 10. Like The upside is that high on each of these guys, obviously, so. Yeah, it's it's crazy. The the prospect talent I think is some of the best that it's been. So, you know, I Wit J Rod, you could probably flip a coin on, and Wit's just proven all spring that he's more than ready to hang with the big boys. Now he's gonna have third base eligibility too. Like that's gonna be phenomenal for fantasy purposes, a shallow position. I love that. Yeah, and so I got both him and Bryson Stott in the Highlander Dynasty startup draft. Because I could have dual eligibility from both those guys, which yep. would be great. That's great. Love that. And, you know, Witt this spring was just as dominant as J-Rod was. 406 average, three doubles, three home runs, and two steals. And even more importantly, that's all impressive and all. Only had three strikeouts and 34 plate appearances, which is like eight point whatever percent. So that's that's impro- that's encouraging as well. Uh, so th- I could see – I do have some FOMO. I didn't have Witt in any redraft leagues, which is surprising. People know me. I'm surprised I didn't have at least one share of Witt somewhere, but – I mean, I'm, I do have a little bit of FOMO right now with that. I don't have any Bobby Witt Jr. shares because he could definitely go like 25-20 this year. I could totally see it. Obviously, he's a rookie. We, we, I was saying some more things about Jared Kelnick last year, and we saw that worked out. But I wish I did have a share of Witt because these guys are going to be so damn good, and that could be this year. Also, Seattle, another call-up, kind of a little more unheralded, but a guy that definitely needs to be on your radar both short-term and long-term, Matt Brash. I know, Chris, you are a little bit high. I, I like Brash. You're a little bit higher on him. So I'll toss it over to you. Why should everyone be excited about Matt Brash right well, away? You, yeah, have you seen his slider? It's just it's, nasty, nasty, it, nasty. It's not – it's N, was it NSFW. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's NSFW right there. 
Yeah, he's. I think he's just pretty underrated still with everything you've seen. I mean, he just dominated across the board last year at 2-3-1 ERA, 142 strikeouts in 98 innings. Strikes out a ton of batters. Uh, it's kind of funny. He was a player to be named later in the uh, Taylor Williams trade the, when they traded the reliever to San Diego. So Brash just broke out in a huge way last year. And you look, his fastball you know, sits mid-90s, gets a lot of spin on it, gets a, a ton of swing and miss. The slider is a huge sweeper, mid-80s. You know, it's a double-plus pitch. Some people have said 80-grade, which is <laughs> nasty. Yep. I mean, he he's really a, a really good two-pitch guy, and then he features a knuckle curve as well, a changeup that sometimes looks solid. It's inconsistent, but it looks really good from time to time. So if he can refine the changeup and throw it consistently, I think it's a – Huge recipe for success. His stuff, his frontline stuff, but he has to improve the control a little bit, and we need to see him throw the change in it more consistently. But here's his chance. I mean, they're going to throw him in the fire and see what he's got, but I think he's ready to do it. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And those have been kind of the concerns I've had with Brash, obviously. The command and control and just the, establishing that third pitch, whether it's the knuckle curve, whether it's the changeup. And I agree. I've, I have seen him throw some pretty solid changeups where I'm like, all right, maybe that could be the pitch. But then he just goes back and kind of settles on that fastball slider, which obviously, as you mentioned, is a, one of the best two-pitch combinations that you, you'll see, especially from someone his age. But where do you think he finishes like this year? Would you be okay having him as like your SP6 or so this year? Oh, yeah. I think yeah. that would be because at that point, like if you have a solid five, like that's a great upside play where, you know, you're looking at a SP six on paper, but he could return like SP two or three value. Like that's well worth it. So end of the season, you know, everything goes great for Brash. Where do you think he is? Like in terms of pitcher rankings, do you think he could be top? Eh, let's say top 40. That's that's the number I was thinking. Top 40. Yeah. I, I could see that. I could too. Yeah. The, the arm is definitely, the talent is absolutely there. I can see him definitely sticking in this rotation. And they're going to add George Kirby probably at some point by the all-star break. I don't know who he bumps out. I don't know. Maybe it's Chris Flexens. I don't think Chris Flexens is that good, honestly, but yeah, this rotation could be really, really good. End of the season. You could have Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert, Matt Brash, you know, Merkel Gonzalez is decent enough, I guess. And then add in George Kirby as well. It'd be a damn good rotation. It's going to be a, I'm having like a closet Seattle Mariners fan. That's my West Coast team right now. There's just a lot of fun players on this team, adding J-Rod and, and obviously my boy Kelnick out there. And for everyone that's kind of wondering, I, had, I got some questions about that, going back to J-Rod real quick, that does this bump Kelnick out now? Like the I forget who it was. I forget if it was DePoto or someone else higher up in the front office. They This is before he had the back-to-back-to-back games with the home run. They were saying glowing things about him, saying, all right, the swings, the quality of work he's putting out there, you know, the stat line isn't indicative of that. Like he's doing great. Like they were just raving about him. And now obviously he's starting to heat up over the last handful of games here. So I think it's probably Kelnick and left with J-Rod in center and uh, Mitchie Hanniger and right with probably Winker DH. And that's how I think it shakes out. And it looks like they'll probably hit J-Rod and Kelnick back to back six, seven, something like that. So definitely just doesn't hurt Kelnick at all. I don't think at least so. I don't think so either. Yeah, no, I, I said they've raved about him. 
so far. And that was before the, the three, three Homer stretch here over the last few days, which has been fun to see. I've given uh, our good buddy, Michael Simeon, a little, little jabs there on Twitter. He gives them right back. That was a fun little thing we had going on there. Uh, one last thing on J rod too. I put out a, a poll a couple of days ago, asking people who they'd rather have in dynasty right now, J rod or Yoran Alvarez. And it was like nearly 2000 votes. And it was literally split 50, 50, which is ridiculous. So I'll ask you, Chris, right now, Startup Dynasty, you're on the clock. You got to pick J-Rod or Yordan. Who are you going with? I think J-Rod for the speed. Yeah. And I was – I forgot. I think I was talking with somebody about this on – maybe in the in the Discord. Yeah, it was on the Discord. They were like they, – they were surprised. It was that exact proposition. They were surprised that I picked J-Rod. But I think the power – J-Rod's power is every bit of Yordan's power. You look at the exit velocities that J-Rod has posted consistently, and they're right there with Yordans. It's definitely in the cards for J-Rod to hit 35-plus home runs. Agreed. I'd give the batting average edge to Yordan. He is an elite contact hitter. While J-Rod is a good contact hitter, I don't really see him on that same level. So I'm looking at a 300 hitter in Yordan. I'm looking at a 280 hitter in J-Rod. But Yordan's not going to give you a single stolen base. J-Rod's going to chip in 15. So that's kind of the kicker for fantasy purposes for me. So I would take J-Rod. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you too. And obviously I love Yordan and think he's absolutely legit. But yeah, you, once you add in the speed that J-Rod can bring, and I can see why people would say Yordan too. He's, he's already established. J-Rod hasn't taken a single swing in major leagues yet, although he will in you know handful of hours from now. But yeah, I, I can see why people would go Yordan. But I think I would lean like they're very close to my ranking i think they might be back to back in my rankings right now which is kind of funny but i probably would lean with a j-rod as well moving on here let's go over let's go over the pitching side of things for a little bit here the dynamic duo of hunter green and nick ladovo will be starting the year in cincinnati's rotation green was announced first and a few days later they said that they were bringing ladolo with them and he'll probably start the fifth game of the year that hasn't been like cemented in yet but that's what it looks like right now both these guys are obviously very talented arms, both borderline top 50 guys overall. I think they're both absolutely top 10 pitching prospects right now. Very different guys. So obviously, Green's the more exciting guy. He hits triple digits. He's electric. Lodolo might be the better all-around uh, pitcher in terms of the arsenal-wise. So they're very close overall. I, I, another poll I put up on Twitter asking who people liked out of these uh, these two plus – Brandon Williamson, just to throw a third guy in there. And it was Green won it by about 2% over Lodolo. So it's very close there. So I'll ask you, Chris, who do you like more for this year and long-term between Lodolo and Hunter Green? This year, I'd probably lean Lodolo just because I think the floor is higher and you look at volatility of rookie pitchers. And Green can just be erratic from time to time. I mean, Green's stuff is superior, in my opinion, but I just feel like Lodolo's floor is so much higher that he's going to be more consistent. Long-term, I could see it being close. They're two different pitchers, in my opinion. But I'll, for 2022, I'll take Lodolo. Long-term, I'll probably flip a coin. I, I do like them both a lot long-term. As do I. I would, I would lean towards Lodolo for this year as well. Like you said, I think overall the stuff, it might be – a bit better for green, but is it consistently better for green? That's, that's the question I have is, you know, sometimes he just doesn't have that secondary stuff start to start. And Lodolo is 
much more consistent with the secondaries. And he can, Lodolo can miss a ton of bats too. That's kind of an underrated you know, aspect of his game where he is an incredibly high strikeout arm, you know, even more so. I think he had a higher K rate last year than Green. And I don't think it was even that close. I have to go back and look, but look at the K rate last year for Lodolo. Between double A AA and triple A, he made 13 starts. He had 78 Ks in just 50 and two thirds innings, which is a 38.8% K rate. And on top of that, only had 11 walks to those 78 Ks for a 5.5%. He had one of the biggest K minus walk rates in the minor leagues, 231 ERA. I think he's, Lodolo, I think, is one of the more underrated arms in, in the minors, or well, obviously the majors now. But I think just because Green has the, that pizzazz, he, you know, he hits triple digits and all, he's more electric. I get it. But Lodolo, I think, is the better all around pitcher. So I might lean him by a hair both for this year and long term. I think he's struck out just as many guys, maybe even more than Hunter Green, and probably post a little bit better ratios too. So I, I think I'm I think I'm team Lodolo here. That's no knock to Green at all. I would I would love to have both these guys uh, in my dynasty uh, leagues, but I will give the slight edge to Nick Lodolo for both here. Going back over to the hitting side of things, I think yeah, the rest of our guys are all hitters on the list here. Not the the huge names, but still definitely guys to be on your radar or even target this year. And obviously, long term, there's plenty of value there. We, we have four more names we're going to talk about here. Let's start right in the city of brotherly love. Bryson Stott is going to start the year up with Philadelphia, and Boehm surprisingly was as well. It was kind of looking like it might be one or the other. And they bring up both Stott and Bohm. Uh, I'm not quite sure how that's going to play out, though. I don't know. Have you seen anything that, Chris, that like shows like who's the start where? I kind of haven't. It's a it's a good question. I I don't know. I assume that Bohm starts here on the bench. I I don't know. There's no other option really, unless you know DD just is terrible and or he gets hurt. In, in that which, case, which are both possibilities, right? Those are strong <laughs> possibilities. But in that case, Stott just slides over to short. You you bump Bohm in. Right now, roster resource has him in a platoon. Stott and Bohm at third. I don't really see that. I could be totally off base though. But both guys really need to play. I mean, to get better, they need to. Especially Bohm. Bohm needs the reps. He doesn't need to sit on the bench. Like, right. But you also don't call Stott up to sit on the bench either. So it's a tough spot. Like maybe DD just finds the bench early. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but yeah, it's it's a tough spot right now for for Bone more than Stott. I think they probably should just move on from DD at this point. They like, should. What 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 does he bring? Not much. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, he has some power. Okay, they have plenty of power. <laughs> they got Schwarber, Rio Muto, Harper, Castellanos, Hoskins. They they got plenty of power. They ain't gonna worry about power. So. Yeah, I, I would rather them put Stott at short, Baum at third. Just let them settle in and see what they have with those two guys. Sure. And, and with Baum, too, I guess I have to wonder, it, kind of similar to Gavin Lux, is that he's just kind of slowly sliding down my rankings. He's no longer top 200. I don't think I even have him top 250 anymore. I had to do a quick control F on my spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah I moved him down to 291, actually. Which is lower than I thought, but I just kept looking at you know, some of the third baseman on my list. I'd say, oh, nope, I'd rather have him, I'd rather have him. So I, I guess I still believe Baum could be decent, kind of similar to how I think Spencer Howard can still be pretty, at least a decent fantasy guy. But I maybe think that we were just overvaluing Baum coming up through the minors, and he was good, but not great in the minor leagues. So 
But maybe he's just a maybe he's a two sixty eighteen to twenty guy moving forward, which is you know maybe he's a guy you draft late you know late rounds or so. But I don't think he's ever going to be a starting you know first baseman or a third baseman for fantasy purposes, or even I don't maybe even starting corner infielder to stretch at this point. But I don't know. Are you still a, a bone believer, Chris? Uh, not really. I'm kind of yeah. struggling with that one. But if he could lift the ball a little bit, I think he'd be fine. He just hammers it in the ground, which just really kills his value. So that's uh that is my concern with him. But uh, we'll see. But I like I said, I think he needs to rep. He needs to play, and he's not going to get to play, which really hurts him. Right. And this spring, he was not good. It was a lot of what we saw last year. He had 14 games, hit 222, 282, 333. Did have one home run, but that was it. One home run, one double. And three three walks to four Ks, but it's just a lot of a lot of what we saw last year, where he's couldn't hit for average, pounding the ball into the ground. But last year, you know, the approach was still okay. The quality of contact metrics were pretty solid; they're above average for the most part. But like you said, it was just into the ground. It was like a, a similar issue that what Vladdy had, and obviously Vladdy is is much better of a pure hitter than Baum. So, you know, maybe I said two sixty, eighteen to twenty home runs. I think could still be possible, but. That's about it. I'm not really seeing much upset for more, so not really a guy I'm looking to target in dynasty leagues right now. That's for sure. Stott though absolutely is because yeah, he'll he'll even if he starts full time, he's a hit bottom third just because of all the all the studs they have at the top. But long term, I said it before. I think he's tailor made for like number two spot in the lineup. His high OBP. He's a 390 career OBP guy in the minor leagues. Nearly a 300 hitter as well. I think he could be 280 hitter, 370 plus OBP. Maybe a 20 homer, 15 still guy that destroys a ton of runs with all the bat, big bats behind him, driving him in with his high OBP. So definitely a very underrated guy. That you could probably still get for a pretty reasonable price tag in Dynasty Leagues right now. So definitely a pretty good target right now uh, in terms of his value. Yep, I uh, certainly agree there. I think you can get him pretty affordably and that pay off because I don't think the, the hype's really caught up yet. Definitely hasn't. And he, like I said he's always kind of been underrated because he doesn't have that huge wow tool right like he's just really rock solid across the board you know he's solid defensively he gets on base at a good clip he's got like average to above average power and speed but doesn't have the 30 homer power or 25 steel wheels or something like that so those guys always seem to get a little undervalued in dynasty leagues and i will capitalize on that same thing with alec thomas he's basically bryce's thought but a little bit better power speed i think so so those guys just get underrated all the time. Definitely, guys, I like the target for sure. Now, let's t- let's tie in the next guy here with Bryson Stott. Who would you rather have for 2022 and beyond, Chris? Bryson Stott or Jeremy Pena? I think I'd rather have Pena, actually. I, Ooh. I, right. Yeah, and that my rankings don't reflect that, and it probably should. But he's another one I just think just gets so underrated. And you know, people question the power, but he's a – big dude he's really strong and he he had a two homer game in the spring already i think he's probably at least average game power you know i think the profiles may be fairly similar but i do think that pina can chip in some stolen bases as well which you know i'm not sure how much stock runs so overall like i could see them returning similar value which would be kind of fun to see play out but both are really solid hitters. 
both kind of developed more power last year. But I think that we haven't seen Pena's best yet. So I'm going to go with Pena. And I think Stott's the more floor play, though. But I think Pena makes everybody in Houston forget about Carlos Correa pretty quick. It's a bold statement, but I like it, Chris. I, I like Pena a lot, and I'm also guilty of under under, uh, under ranking him. Excuse me. I've adjusted that. Like He's top 100 prospect for me now. I moved him in. He, he definitely deserves to be, especially with how much value he can provide in the short term hitting in that Houston lineup. That's a great park for him. I think, yeah, as I wrote up some of these guys that we talked about tonight over in an article for Fantasy Pros, uh, which might be out by tomorrow when you're listening to this, or on Thursday, I should say. And when I wrote up Stott first, and then I think there was another player between, then I wrote up Pena, and I was like, man, did I just write up Bryson Stott again? Like I said, very similar profiles that was what you mentioned there. And yeah, I think there might be a little more upside for Pena. And he's he's deceptively strong. Uh, I won't say who showed me this, but I was shown a picture a few weeks ago by uh, someone in the industry that has a contact that showed me a picture of Jeremy Pena. He is absolutely freaking ripped. Like this guy is is incredibly strong. He doesn't have the huge frame, but it's a very strong frame. So yeah, especially with, with him being a righty with that short porch and left field in, in Houston, I think you could see him get up in the mid twenty mid twenties for home runs. Maybe this year. But long-term, maybe he's a tw- mid-20, low-to-mid-20s, 22, 23, 24 homer guy that adds in double-digit steals and a good average and solid counting stats. So, yeah, I could definitely see him you know, you know, going higher in value than Stott. But I guess it's what would you rather have? It's, you know, would you rather have the little bit higher floor? Would you rather have the little bit higher ceiling? Can't really go wrong. But I think the, uh, the moral of this story is both these guys are great buys in Dynasty Leagues and pretty solid values for this year. I, I got it. Several shares of Stott, a few of Pena as well. So definitely looking forward to seeing what each of these two can do uh, in their rookie year here in 2022. A couple more guys round up the show. Steven Kwan and Geraldo Perdomo are both going to be in the starting lineups for Cleveland and Arizona, respectively. Now, Kwan, we've talked about before, super high contact rates. Like, I think he was over 90% in AAA last year or in, in like 88 in AA. I think he averaged, he was probably right around 90% overall which is insane. Power started coming along. He never really had power. He started showing a little bit of power uh, back in uh, 2019. And then that he had 13 last year, but a 24, 20 homer pace. So the power is finally come along a little bit of speed. Maybe he's a, I don't know, 15 homer five steel type with a high average. So doesn't, doesn't sound super sexy and all, but that could play. Maybe he's a, I don't know. Maybe he's a Jeff McNeil type long-term. I could see that, but yeah, uh, and Perdomo's always been a high OBP guy as well. He's more of a, a floor type, but yeah, these are guys that deeper leagues, I'd definitely be looking to take a shot on this year. Yeah, I think Quan more so than Perdomo. Agreed, yeah. Quan just feels like a high floor to hit. I think he's is he like a Kevin Newman type? Where he's like, I don't know, he's probably maybe, better yeah. more power and speed than Kevin Newman, maybe. Yeah. But like 12-12 with a, a good average. That seems pretty realistic. Yeah. Perdomo. I don't know. He's been so up and down. Like I've loved has, the profile. Yeah. I just don't know what to make of him. Like I'm really glad that he made the roster. He's a great defensive shortstop. He kind of lacks power to an extent, but as Quan does too, I don't know what kind of power that Perdomo hits for at the big league level. That'll be the biggest thing. You're right. I think he plays up in an OBP league. I don't know what kind of average he hits for either this year, but I will say I'm more confident in Quan for 2022. 
totally agree there. And for what it's worth, looking at uh, some projections here for Stephen Kwan, who looks like he'll be the starting right fielder, and he might move up in the lineup too. Like they have him hitting eighth or so uh, with the Straw and Ahmed Rosario up there and one two. But I could totally see Kwan sneaking his way up there if one of those guys gets hurt or if you know they just don't perform well. And Straw, you know, I think maybe Straw would be the guy to probably gets bumped out, but. They have some pretty solid projections on him, you know. For they have them all around like 275, 280. Zips has him as 287 this year. A lot of like, you know, I see some 10, 11, 12 home runs, six, seven steals, and about 400 and you know, 30, 440 plate appearances. So, which I think is pretty solid. And you look at, you see a lot of tool like I just put up his, his uh, Fangraphs page. They have him 70 slash 80 hit, and that's just absolutely true. Uh, See how much power speed is there. Again, probably not a lot, but definitely a, a sneaky good guy to get. If you want an average boost, you could probably go get him on your, on your waiver wire right now. And in most standard 12 teamers, he's probably not rostered at this point. But both these guys, Perdomo was probably like a 15 plus teamer and probably Quan too, but he'd be definitely the one I'd take a, a shot on over Perdomo for sure. Um, I think that's going to wrap us up, though. A lot of fun names talked about today. I'm sure we'll have a lot more. Hopefully we can get some CJ Abrams talk in. He's probably going to get caught up before this episode drops tomorrow morning, (laughs) which would be our luck, which is how it goes. Uh, But that's just the nature of the beast. But hopefully we get some CJ Abrams here, which looks like we should. Now he's still up there and opening day is tomorrow. So, you know, put two and two together. I think he's up, but we'll wait for that announcement. And I'm sure we will all freak out about it on Twitter as we always do. But that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, one take care. fans. It's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider.